0: On today's episode, we're going to learn about how to intentionally go about capitalizing your direct-to-consumer e-commerce business. Is it equity? Is it debt? Or somewhere in between? This is a great episode you don't want to miss, so do stay tuned.
1: Retail and e-commerce have witnessed an unprecedented transformation transformation in the last decade. On this podcast, you'll get the scoop on customer acquisition and retention strategies. Employed by high-growth digital native product brands. Not being afraid to spend because you know that customer is going to pay it back uh, three or fourfold. That's when you start to unlock channels in the way that they were meant to be. Use and listen to interviews with experts, experts at the forefront of technology and innovation in digital retail Three years ago they wouldn't have come to us because yeah the macro trend of cloud Wi-Fi broadband availability that was a real that was a real problem Hear first-hand stories from founders of innovative direct-to-consumer brands although I was thinking about the competition I was more thinking about like how I want to just build a freaking successful business.
0: Hello, hello, hello. It's Kune, the host of the 2x e-commerce podcast show. Thank you for tuning in. Um, as usual, um, you turn off every week. And, you know, I appreciate it. This is a Thursday and, um, we're talking about finance. We're talking about money, 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 money. And, um, this episode is a, an interview, the interview we're about to listen to is one I had with Andrew Sosa, who is the, one of the five co-founders of a platform, a finance platform, e-commerce investor platform called Claire Bank. Um, and, you know, this, this platform has invested over a billion dollars in close to 3000 e-commerce businesses thus far. Now, in this conversation you're about to listen to, we talk about like capital, about funding, about money. We need money to, to get inventory. We need money to do research. We need money to build out products. We need money to, um, to, to pay for marketing, to pay for staff. And we're talking about how to, actively how to use sources of finance sources of money where to channel sources of money so um, would you use debt to finance um, research and development or would you use debt to finance um, um, like marketing it's an in-depth episode Andrew is incredibly um, clever Um, he is very versed in e-commerce you know and SaaS And, um, he, you know, and he's, he's, he's just broad, um, when, when it comes to like his knowledge base, you know, this guy. Lived in um in in the in San Francisco in in the Valley in Palo Alto actually, and um you know he's been in the startup world. He understands the the fi- the finance angle of things as well as the marketing. So it's it's he's a he's a very interesting mind. And you know at the end of this episode, I actually said this is one of the most important episodes um we've had in 2020 um, because money is very important. And when we talk about growth, it's predominantly. How much money is coming in? When we talk about profitability, how much money you're keeping, and yet this episode is important. It's just super important. We talk about working capital, conversion, cash conversion cycles. Um, you know, long term investments. You know, how to, you know, get your long term investments in inventory. He um, talked. We talked about zero to hundred million. You know, um, a lot of you want to hit 100 million. We're not just talking about hitting your first million or, you know, 10 million. A lot of you are at 10 million and you want to hit, you know, um, um, 100 million. He talks about the fine blend of, you know, D2C or rather digital, um, you know, media buying versus brand, you know, above the line brand and how to sort of mix, all of that and he likened it to wealth management when you're trying to rebalance a portfolio he was incredible in this um, conversation I don't want to give too much doubt but I think you're going to last or you know through the entire you know um, episode I think it was that interesting anyway um before I let you go um, people, I don't like saying guys anymore because some people think when I mean guys I really mean you know everybody um because that's how I was raised but before I let you people go uh, I want to say that if you have not subscribed to this podcast um please subscribe and if you're on an iOS device um please leave us a review I don't care what kind of review it could be one star it could be a 15 star just make sure it's it's um it's it's honest right um leave it leave us a review so we can be more visible in, on iTunes. Um, it's starting to work. I could see, um, I could see it work. Maybe I'll start doing shout outs on here, um, to, to make it really work, but, um, it's, it's a brilliant episode. This one's a really good episode. Um, so yeah, enjoy it and I shall catch you on the other side. Ta-da. What do sophisticated direct-to-consumer brands like Colourpop, Hockberry and Custom Ink all have in common? Well, they rely on Klaviyo, the growth marketing platform that powers over 25,000 online businesses. Klaviyo is supported by a dedicated team of experts and it is a platform that processes and consumes more data than any other in the market. Klaviyo helps you own customer experience and grow high-value customer relationships. Right from shoppers' first impressions to each subsequent purchase, Klaviyo will understand every single customer interaction and empowers brands to create more personalized marketing moments. When you have a 360 view on customers, the growth possibilities are endless. Visit clavio.com forward slash 2x to get Klaviyo's holiday planning guide. Remember, that is clavio.com forward slash 2x. Let's take a quick break to talk about screwing up. Accidents, Accidents happen. happen. Perhaps you installed an app that messed up your theme or a CSV import completely messed up your product catalog. Common myth. Cloud-based e-commerce platforms like Shopify and BigCommerce have automatic backup solutions you can use when something goes wrong with your store. This is simply untrue. They don't. Myth busted. So what do you do? You use Rewind. Rewind will protect Shopify and BigCommerce stores with automatic backups. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Rewind is trusted by over 25,000 businesses from side hustles to the biggest retail brands you can think of. Gymshark, Movement Watches and Pampers all use Rewind for automatic backups. So here's the deal for two X's. If you head over to rewind.io, which is R-E-W-I-N-D.io, install Rewind, you'll get to use it for free for seven days. If you reach out to the Rewind team and mention the 2 xe commerce podcast, then extend your seven-day trial for a full month for free. Enjoy peace of mind with Rewind backups. Remember to head over to rewind.io and don't forget to mention the 2X eCommerce podcast for a full month trial. All right, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. And I'm your host, Kune Campbell. This is the podcast dedicated to rapid growth in online retail and the direct to consumer selling space. So if you work in marketing at um, an e-commerce business or a founder, I'm going to help you sell more directly to your customers. Now, the way I do it is that every week I interview an expert, a founder at a direct to consumer e-commerce business or a representative from a best in class e-commerce SaaS platform. We're focused in helping you Listeners, grow metrics such as conversions, average order value, repeat customers, your audience size, and ultimately sales. Um, Speaking of which, on today's episode, this one is, you know, this is a special one because I have been wanting to, the the moment the adverts of this company popped up on my Facebook, I went to the Facebook group, to our Facebook group, the e-commerce growth accelerator group, and I asked, you know, members if they knew about the company and people had a lot of good things to, to say. Anyway, to cut the long story short, this is ClareBank. I'm, I'm here with a co-founder of ClareBank. His name is Andrew De Souza, and they their world largest e-commerce investor. They've invested over a billion dollars in over 2,800 e-commerce businesses in the US in North America and in Europe. Um, they're high growth. They just fund high growth opportunities. And I love what Andrew just said. They fund anything that's repeatable and scalable. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome Andrew to the show. Welcome.
2: Thank you, Kunle. Very, very excited to be here, and uh, thanks for having me on.
0: Uh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Okay, let's start out with you guys with with Clarebank. I probably haven't done you sufficient justice introducing Clarebank. Could you mm-hmm. um, whittle down your um, your value prop um, in, in 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 the next uh, minute or two?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we, we fund, we exist to help founders win, help e-commerce and direct consumer founders win. Um, the way we do that is we unlock capital for repeatable, scalable growth, things like advertising, things like inventory and infrastructure, shipping, um, parts of your business, where you know you invest a dollar and you make a, uh, you make more than a dollar out of it over over a fixed period of time. Um, I've spent a lot of my career as an entrepreneur raising capital. I'd say I spent half my time raising capital, half my time spending money, and uh, and I think I've realized that the process of raising equity capital, you know, giving up ownership and control, you know, taking that dilution becomes a very expensive and very time consuming process for a lot of founders, mm-hmm. and so. You want to use that equity capital very judiciously to fund things that may not be repeatable and scalable, things like R and D and product development, and things that you put a dollar in and you know you may get ten dollars, you might get zero out. Um, but for things where you put a dollar in and you get two, um, ClearBank exists to help you just you know put your foot on the gas and, and continue to continue to grow.
0: Okay, so this makes sense. So I um, let's say I invent um, a I invent something. I invent a the the best mobile phone case. You're saying that um, I invest my money or, you know, other people's money into developing it. And then um, once I find product market fit through advertising and I see there's a response, I come to you guys to further, you know, fund it to, to grow.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We, we'll we come in, we'll look at your data instantly. We can make you an offer and we can basically say, look, we think you should be spending X amount of dollars on marketing, X amount of dollars on inventory. Okay. We can continue to grow your business and free up that cash flow so that, you can just focus on making, you know, creating a great customer experience, creating great products um, and not having to raise money or manage sort of, you know, the, the cash flows of that business.
0: So the two core areas are marketing and inventory, you know, bringing in products exactly. and then selling the products. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. You talked about half of your career being, um, um, you know, raising capital and spending capital. Could you just give us a bit of a background of what you did prior to Claire Bank?
2: Sure. Yeah. So I, I am an engineer by training, uh, grew up in Canada and, uh, and then spent a couple of years, uh, working at McKinsey, realized that was the consulting world was not for me, uh, mm. moved out to Silicon Valley, actually got recruited over by a guy named Chamath, who is maybe a bit, bit notorious. Uh, he was head of growth of Facebook, uh, pre IPO right. and he started, he started a company um, called top prospect, which was a recruiting company. It effectively was using LinkedIn and Facebook to help companies make better hiring decisions and, and better referrals. Um, and so that was my introduction as a, as an outsider, as a Canadian to Silicon Valley to see how this whole place works. Uh, and we had a great, you know, Andreessen Horowitz and spark capital and a bunch of fantastic investors. And I think what I realized was, all of the, you know, I met the met the founders of Instagram and I met the founders of Slack and Dropbox and all these companies that I would read about. I met them in, in Silicon Valley. And what struck me was there was nothing different about them than my friends back in Waterloo or my friends, you know, overseas that were starting businesses, other than the fact that they were, they happened to live down the street from the VCs who were investing in their companies and the journalists mm-hmm. at TechCrunch that were writing about when the VCs invested. And so, you know, I think, and, and then, you know, I, I I think that was what initially opened my eyes to this idea that, you know, why do you have to know the person who manages the money? You know, you, why do you have to go out for drinks with that person? Why do you have to have the uncle that works at the investment bank? Like all of those things make no sense. If I have a product that the market wants, you know, why can't I just be able to go scale that based on you know the evidence that I can show? Um, and I saw this over and over again. And so, you know, I'd gotten recruited to an education tech company, and you know, a big part of the reason they they wanted me was because I had spent time in Silicon Valley and I knew a bunch of investors, and I could help them raise money. Um, I did that with a hardware tech company, and I just got to know the challenges of managing cap. You know, the the real pain. Yeah. Um, my last hardware company was we raised all this equity and. 80% of it was tied up in our inventory, in our, in our supply chain and working capital. Mm-hmm. And so then we gave up control and ownership of the business. And we had these investors that want to take the company in a different direction. They changed out the management team. You know, like, you know, it was, it was very, very painful. Um, but I, I, so I've experienced sort of the dimensions of, you know, how much time it takes to, to raise that equity capital and how precious mm-hmm. it is. Uh, and then the downsides of having, um, you know, giving up ownership and control of your business, um, okay. you know, before you're ready to. So, um, you know, I think that was a big part of the motivation around around starting ClearBank.
0: And you have three or four other co-founders of, of, of ClearBank?
2: Yeah, there's uh, there's five of us, five, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, so there's five of us uh, that that have uh, that you know were around since the since the beginning or kind of since the very early days and have been sort of instrumental in the growth of the business. Uh, my partner, actually Michelle, so my uh, personal life partner as well as business partner, uh, oh, wow. was, was my was one of my co founders, and um, she she's I mean it's interesting. So she bootstrapped her first four businesses. Um, she sold her last company to Groupon in 2014. And then she's been on the on Dragons Den in Canada, uh, which is Shark Tank, you know Shark Tank of Canada. So she's been an an investor on that show for the last six seasons, and so we would see these entrepreneurs from across the country come in, and it was that same story. It was okay, I've got you know literally the iPhone case was one, you know develop this iPhone case, and we we do this custom woodworking, in you know the middle of Canada, and it's a family business. Um, and now we want to give up 50% of our company for, you know, a hundred thousand dollars. Right. Okay. And it's just like,
0: doesn't make any like, sense. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. Yeah.
2: Um, because all like they'd already figured it out. They had customers, they had, you know, online marketing campaigns that were working. They knew how much it cost and produce the product. And so we were like, why don't we just restructure this deal where you just give us you know a percentage of revenue until we make our money back. And then, you know, we'll, like you just keep your company and we'll just continue to keep you funded as you go.
0: And I think that's a very important point. You know, we, we discussed this prior to this interview, we we talked about debt financing and you're like, no, we're not, we're not debt financing. We, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're a partnership We're we're taking a percentage of spend, you know, and, and, and then it just works. So, so the existence of that business going forward, you know, is mutually beneficial to both the company and yourselves. It's it's a very important distinction that, you know, going to a bank and getting a lump sum of money. And then, you know, if anything happens, you know, they, they, they come and take your assets.
2: Um, Well, that's exactly it. it. That's exactly it. You know, I think, you know, we we've seen sort of on the equity side, you you give up a portion of your your business and the equity investors need, they need you to sell your business for them to make their money back. Right. So they're pushing you to grow and grow and grow and then sell, right. Or die trying on the debt side. know what the banks are really focused on is just downside mitigation so okay how do i value this business and if you know if this business fails or if they miss a payment and they can't actually make the payment can i take it over and sell it for parts to at least recover my investment that's all they care about right Mm -hmm. and so and often that comes with a personal guarantee so they go in and say okay i don't really understand the business but you know does the founder own their home right do they have any assets okay great if they have you know if they own their home then I will give them a loan. And if worst case scenario, the business fails, I'll go up to the founder for his personal assets. That's right. the way that most, most deals are structured uh, on the debt side. So we're very, very different. We're, I would say we're sort of in between, right? Mm-hmm. So what we, we want to be, you know, equity-like in the fact that we let you offload risk, right? We basically say, look, we're going to sit in this with you. We'll bring you $100,000 and we will take 5% of sales until we get 106 back. Mm-hmm. And we'll do that every month, right? So you just continue to do that um, or, you know, or you can, do it and then in six months you paid us back and then we'll give you another hundred. You can structure it however you want. But the idea is we wanna keep your marketing and your inventory budget fully funded um, and we just get paid back as those products sell. Right. Um, and then you know our, our fees are effectively 6%. So you're never six gonna pay percent us more facts. than 6% okay. more than we've given you.
0: And what about the timeframe for, for payment? Depends on the, the scale and stage of the business, you know, between
2: six and 12 months okay. is, uh, is the duration of when we get paid back. But look, sometimes we're wrong, right? Sometimes a company's revenue is looking like it's growing really quickly and then it ends up tapering off. And so it takes more than 12 months. Sometimes we're wrong the other way. You know, sometimes the re- you know, we, we fund a company, they, they, they invest in a marketing campaign. It takes off and, you know, they pay us back in four months. Um, but they've got a business that's twice the size of, as, a, as it was, you know, when we first exactly. exactly. And they've only paid us that 6%.
0: And then it's all tech-driven risk profiling. Uh, you, exactly. you, you plug in via APIs to their Shopify, to their Facebook advertising platforms, to their inventory. You, you get a picture, a 360 view of their business, right?
2: Exactly. Yeah. It takes a few yeah. minutes to sign up. You just connect your online online um, accounts, and then we can give you an offer instantly, and you can see you know, what your options are. Um, and one of the interesting things we found is that's actually taken a lot of the bias out of... Um, out of the investment because Mm -hmm. traditionally and whether you're going to a bank or whether you're going to a, to a VC, you're off, you know, it's the VC passes their own personal judgment on your business and your business model. And so, you know, we fund, you know, we're really proud of the stat. We fund eight times more women than the venture capital average because there are, we fund lots of companies that are focused on, you know, women's health, right. And, you know, like women's issues and things like that. And if Mm -hmm. most VCs are men uh, and most bankers are men, they don't understand those problems, and so then if they they don't understand the problem, they're just never going to give you that credit for it. And so exactly. all we care about is: have you built a product that customers want? Right? right? We don't need to. We don't need to understand the product. We know you don't need to talk to somebody who you to convince them that there is a real market. If the data shows that there's a market, we can unlock the capital so you can you can scale.
0: So from a maturity standpoint, from a business maturity standpoint, um, what what are you looking at? Where, where is the start end point when you start yeah, to, so- to say, okay, there's consideration here.
2: So it's, sense. you know, companies that are at a, you know, above a $10,000 monthly run rate. That's kind mm-hmm. of when we've, we, you know, we've typically found that that's when they've found product market fit. So they've been mm-hmm. in business for six months, you know, they're doing, you know, on, on track to do more than $10,000 a month and they're growing steadily. Then we think, okay, you've got, you're onto something. Um, that's also the time when it, in most cases in the D2C world, it's moved from a, part-time sort of side gig Mm. to, okay, I think there's a path for me to to make a living. Right. And so that's sort of, that's often where we, where we get involved is founders who are saying, Hey, I've been running this off the side of my desk. Now it's looking like it's making eight, 10 grand a month. You know, I think we can improve the margins and all of that stuff. I think I can, yeah. you know, if I can scale that, I could actually make a living off of it. And that's and when that, we will typically get involved.
0: And that's the 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 juggle of you know inventory and sales. You know, managing you know the lead times to get your inventory, especially if it's offshore. You know, where manufacturing is mm-hmm. offshore, you're trying to bring it. It takes a three month lead time because it's cheaper sometimes. Even if it's air freight, sometimes it takes like forty five days to manufacture, and then you know air freight will we'll, we'll get it in within like a 60-day frame, you have all of that to juggle from an inventory standpoint where they make many e-commerce, many starting retailers make money, but, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing left because it has to go back to, you know, I'm um, getting stock in the next, you know, six, six months. So exactly. Very true. Exactly. And this is to juggle. And
2: this is why we're really excited. And we heard this feedback, exactly that story of, okay, my, you know, my inventory is on the water, but I, you know, I'm missing the opportunity to go out or I'm selling out of products and I've got to wait till my cash conversion cycle, you know, so I can buy more. Um, And so we're really excited. We launched an inventory product uh, just over a month ago and effectively what we'll do is we will purchase your inventory from overseas or domestic wherever on your Mm -hmm. behalf. Um, and then you only pay us back as that inventory sells. So however long that takes for the inventory to sort of work its way through the system, you pay us back. And it's the same thing, right? If it costs you 10, $10 per unit, you pay us $10 and 60 cents. It's like one Oh six, uh, right. If it costs you a dollar per unit, you pay us one Oh six back every time that unit sells. Um, and so that has allowed us to really de-risk that inventory purchase. And often what we find is because we can bring the capital, um, the founders can can either pay up front or make a larger inventory purchase with our help. Mm-hmm. and they offset that fee because you know if you make a larger purchase and you pay you know you pay uh, up front you can often get a discount on the inventory and so you yep. you know, you can also offset or completely cover that that 6% fee that we were charging.
0: Super interesting because when I found out about you guys you it was like the 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 value proposition at the time was um you know fund your facebook ad, your 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 ads you know your ads yep. so it's, it's great to see the expansion into inventory because that's another major pain um, in, in running an e-commerce business.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And that's you know that's what we we think about um, we want to use data to help make lives easier for e-commerce founders, and so. Mm-hmm. But but I think there's one thing about just saying, "Here's a bunch of money, you figure it out," uh, versus saying, "Okay, this is your, you know, here's the cash flows of your inventory cycle, here's the cash flows of your marketing program, you know, actually designing and and matching sort of your sources and uses of funds." And this mm-hmm. is something that public company CFOs do, right? Mm-hmm. They think about you know how do i finance my working capital versus my long term investments versus my r and d versus my inventory mm-hmm. um, and they they have bespoke financing solutions for each line item in their PL. Mm-hmm. most early stage founders don't have that right it's it's a lot of work to do nobody gets into this to optimize their you know capital structure or their 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 uh, their capitalization so we just want to make that very easy we want to give early stage founders and e-commerce founders the same tools that a public company may have
0: access to Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. Um, I'm just going to go off tangent here um, sure. because some listeners are very ambitious in this show. Some people, and I've had some, some, you know, founders here who, who've passed a hundred million, um, you know, um, dollar a year mark, or who yeah. wants, who wants to, to hit a hundred million dollars. Now, if you were to do it, I know you're on the other side, you're on the finance side. Um, what formula would you, would you take, um, say you, you have, um, you want to hit five million, um, you want to hit 100 million in the next five to seven years, um, mm-hmm. of your life. It's a, it's a good chunk of your life, um, from a yeah. revenue standpoint profitably, um, how would you do it given tools like Clearbank, given equity, given banks, given Facebook credits, given Shopify, you know, this ecosystem of capital and obviously a, a great product or sweet portfolio of products. Um, yeah. what, what? How would you structure it um, from, from that?
2: Yeah, well, you know, it's actually really interesting. A good friend of mine um, and our board member at Clearbank is Raj Ruparal, founder of Endy. Um, he was head of Groupon International and Groupon Goods, and then he left. Mm-hmm. And he started a mattress company in Canada called Endy, and they went from okay. zero to 100 million dollars. Uh, four years, sold the company, no outside investment. Um, okay. And uh, and look, I think the way that they were able to do it was, you know, I think you you have to there. One, I think you have to commit to this sort of omni-channel. Like they were everywhere, right? Like okay. if I think through that, like. They, they wrapped the streetcars and bus stops. They wrap, you know, they, you know, they had the billboards, then they, they took the online channels. They were on TV. They were, they repurposed their TV ads for online. Like they were not, you know, I think that this is one of the areas where a lot of D2C founders think they can sort of thread the needle, um, and optimize and optimize and optimize. And I'm just going to go on Facebook. And then, you know, once Facebook yeah. is perfect, then I like, like for you to really get those benefits, you have to be on the channel You have to test constantly, constantly be testing and pushing the envelope because the way that you sort of jump from, you know, 1 million to 5 million to 10 million is you find those next, you know, is, are you on Snapchat before everybody else's, are you on TikTok before everybody else's, are people seeing you on TikTok and purchasing on Instagram? Like, you know, are, are you then out of home? Are you on the podcast? Like all of that stuff, like those are the opportunities. And so you need to be constantly testing and experimenting you know these new these new channels um, the combinations of different channels targeting the same audience across their journey um, and so that's where you know it, it takes a level of aggressiveness and risk seeking yeah. that um, you know that that many d2c founders aren't willing to to take and yeah. that's where having access to capital just it lets you have way more shots on goal right yeah. we can come in and say okay you know if you were if you had a marketing budget of hundred grand, you were planning on spending it all on Facebook. Why don't we give you 400 grand and you spend hundred grand on Facebook, then some more on Google, some more on Pinterest, some more on snaps, more on out of Home, some more on podcasts, yeah. some more on an influencer strategy um, and actually figure out what works and then double down and, and adjust that media mix much, much more frequently. Yeah. Um, so that's what I've seen work well. Um, but it is, it does take uh, a lot more guts than, you know, I'm going to optimize one channel at a time.
0: It does. It does. It does. It does. Yeah. And and there's the attribution problem. And then there's the, um, the challenge of allocation, you know, just, mm-hmm. just allocation of, of budget, you know, exactly where, what takes the the chunk, the, the giant chunk, what's going to get that initial spread for the top of funnel to, to filter down, you know, how do we, yeah. you know, resource allocation. And I
2: mean, attribution is always a challenge and I haven't seen Mm -hmm. anybody do it perfectly at all. Um, But I do think that if you think through media mix Mm -hmm. and you think through, you know, it's almost like, if you think about like wealth management, it's almost like you're, you're managing your portfolio and you're constantly rebalancing your portfolio to optimize an outcome. You may not like people focus, I think way too much on attribution and not nearly enough around media mix. And if you, I mean, like if you think back to like the Mad Men days and like, or like they had no, there was no hope of attribution. Right. And so people got very, very good at media mix. Right. And they just looked at, okay, how much am I pouring in the top and how much is coming out of the bottom? And does the whole thing make sense. Um, And we've gone so far away from that in search of attribution that it's, it's, cause people to get less creative around yeah. the media
0: mix yeah yeah there's a silver bullet mentality where this one challenge is going to you know um you know do, do the magic essentially and i like this exactly. Ma- mandela quote there's no passion to be found playing small in settling for a life right. that is less than one your capable of living you know just think big really big think big yeah. exactly a great example with regards to the nd mattress um yeah thank you thank you Let's take this quick break to hear from our sponsors. Have you noticed that no matter how amazing a product might be, you can always tell when it's been sold on Shopify. So many merchants use the same themes, layouts and photography, making it easy to spot a Shopify store a mile away. If you're going to build a fast growing brand, then that should include using your website to continue that storytelling and give customers an experience that stands out. That's why Famous exists. Famous enables brands on Shopify to easily build beautiful landing pages and product pages that include custom video, animation, and more. Pages built on Famous are optimized for storytelling and selling on desktop and mobile. You can try it for free at famous.co forward slash 2x. That is famous.co forward slash 2x. This software allows you to build your pages in minutes without code. So you don't need a developer. You just need to want to build a better experience for your customers. Famous has worked in the past with many leading online retailers, including Honest, just fab and more the product was built to allow any brand to make their website experience world-class in minutes one last time to try famous for free visit famous.co forward slash 2x that is is forward slash 2x Clavio is the e-commerce marketing platform that helps brands build relationships with memorable email and SMS messages. Today, more than 50,000 brands like Living Proof, Hint, and Choppies choose Clavio to help them grow. Learn more and get started with the free trial at klaviyo.com 2x. That is K-L-A-V-I-Y-O ocom slash 2x. Okay. Um, so there's Claire Bank, um, in, in this funding ecosystem and then there's the, I, I know of Shopify credits. I know of um, mm-hmm. Facebook ads credits, um, for your best in class, Clients, you know, um, customers, you know, utilizing Clare Bank to, to the max and seeing the dividends off the back of their strategy and the, 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 the right use of capital. Um, how are they playing with, with other credit sources? Are they, are they using other credit sources or what would you advise, you know, would you use cloud? Ba- I know it's a biased question, but you yeah, have yeah. access to data. Um, and, yeah. and that's why I asked for the best in class, how are they utilizing, you know, um, opportunity capital, um, access to capital across the
2: Yeah, world? no, we, I mean, we encourage our, our customers, you know, if they, if they do have access, uh, to, to different sources, I think it's, it's just important for them to understand the, um, what are the, what are the implications? Like, what are the uses of, of funds? Right. And so, you know, if you have, you know, a, a you know, a low interest, get a credit card or something like that, um, how are you going to use that? What are, what are the terms associated with it? But then also it's not just sort of amount and cost of capital. There are, you know, are you signing up for financial covenants? Right. Are they encumbering the business? Are you signing up for a personal guarantee? It's really important for you to understand that because if, if a lender or a bank is not taking any risk on you, then obviously, you know, they're going to charge you a lower rate. Because they know that, you know, if things go sour, that they, that they are going to take over the business or they're going to take up, come after your assets and things. Um, and then in terms of, you know, Facebook, Google, you know, Facebook, Google, Pinterest, we have, um, we've got great relationships across every advertising platform and channel. Um, what we've seen sometimes has been, you know there are, there are incentives sometimes that they that they'll offer for people that are, you know, if you're, if you spend, you know, if you've been spending again, like $200,000 a month, and you spend 300,000 for the rest of the quarter, then they'll give you some credits for that. Um, we can help you achieve those. Right. And so those are some of the areas where, it's true. you know, they come in and they say, Hey, ClearBank, like, you know, we have an opportunity. Facebook put this incentive in front of us. We think we yeah. can capitalize on it. Um, so we've definitely done that a few times as well. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, uh, yeah. So, Close so up. we're, you know, yeah.
0: That's clever. It's the
2: same version of, you know, it's the same type of, no, we tried. it's similar to, it's similar to the inventory thing, right? If, if yeah. your supplier says, all right, well, if you purchase half a million dollars worth of goods, we'll give you a 10% discount. Well, yeah. great. We can come up with that, right? Or we can help you yeah. bridge that gap. So, so those are the areas where um, you can use capital to your advantage to improve your margins effectively.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. You recently moved to the EU. How, how mm-hmm. you know, um, you're active. Did, did Were you always in the UK or did, was it... With your move to the EU was, was the UK included or did you get into the UK first yes
2: yeah, so we started with the UK um we've been doing a pilot we put about 30 million dollar 30 million pounds into the into UK e-commerce okay. businesses so far yeah. um we have a we have plans to put you know another 500 million pounds over the next 12 months um, oh, yeah. and uh, and then certainly you know use that as a launching point to to the rest of Europe um but yeah we are you know I think if I go back to sort of my original story of spending time in Silicon Valley, I think as hard as it is for entrepreneurs to raise capital in, you know, in Silicon Valley and in in the U S um, it's just an order of magnitude harder everywhere else. Right. And so, you know, if you're just a little bit removed from, and certainly if you're close to London, it's a little bit easier. Um, 70% of the capital we put out in the UK is outside of the London area. Um, wow. And so yeah, you know, it it's a lot of founders that, yeah you know, that have great ideas and see, see a lot of, uh, see a lot of opportunity and potential, but may not be plugged into, you know, the, the, uh, the banks and the, or the 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 venture capital. Uh, and so that's a big part of our mission is we think entrepreneurial talent and ambition and drive exists everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, but opportunity is not always equally allocated because access to funds, uh, is not always equally, uh, equally distributed. And we want to, we want to move the needle there um, and, and make it much easier regardless of where you are.
0: How does the UK compare to the U S from your initial you know, investments? What what kind of businesses are you funding? What, you know, um, it'd be interesting to find your, to see, to to, to, to get your perspective thus far.
2: Yeah. It's um, you know, it's not, not as different. I think, I think what's happening is there is a, there is a, you know, UK, there's a European equivalent to most of the big, direct to consumer brands yeah. that we find in, in, uh, in the U S there's, there's the equivalent in, in every country really. And, you know, I think from a investor and even from a founder standpoint, they may not, you know, they may not want to go And the UK is obviously a massive market. Um, but I, I mean, I even look at this in Canada, for example, you know, building the, and you know, this is why, this is why Raj didn't raise outside money for Indy because, mm. He didn't plan on building the bit brand outside of Canada. He was building a Canadian branded company. You know, he knew the market opportunity and the market size and he owned the whole thing. Uh, and so, you know, I think there's a lot of people that are like, okay, well I can actually build a, you know, a, a product designed for my local market, my local sort of European market. I understand how to talk to them and I understand Mm -hmm. how to design for them. I understand how to market and, and source and supply. Um, but, you know, do I really want to go out and raise money and tell a multi-billion dollar story of how I'm going to take over the global toothbrush industry or global bedsheets? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, like do you really want to do that? Or do you want to build a great business for yourself and yeah. preserve some optionality? You exactly. you can always Thanks. still do that in the future, but if your real advantage is you understand your local market and you want to go and win that market with your product, then, you know, the venture capital, Story of an IPO or a you know multi billion dollar exit may not be the right path for you and that's okay.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, true, 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 true. Makes sense. But there's there's that local market dominance you 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 know Mm -hmm. you strive for and you you achieve you know eventually exactly uh, with with good timing and you know the access to capital and doing the right thing really and that's
2: and that's really where you know, that strategy around media mix can really pay dividends yeah. because then if you, if you get, you know, the out of home and you get the TV and the radio and the online and the direct mail, you get all of the stuff so that you're really building a brand, mm-hmm. right? With this media mix, you can, you can much more easily build that brand if you're targeting a geography if you're trying to spread yourself super thin globally,
0: how do you build that 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 that? I know this again outside of the scope of this you know interview, but how do you build that team? You know that superstar team that understands omni-channel marketing in the real sense of it, you know, from direct to TV, radio, and you know, digital. Mm-hmm. How, how do you? get that coherence? I, I know, you know, a few brands are <laughs> doing this. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, where do you start? How do you start to get people to see beyond Facebook, beyond Google, beyond Facebook and Google, you know, the giants in, in digital?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's been really, you know, we've seen some great people that have come from traditional media sort of reinvent themselves for the D 2 C world. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're increasingly seeing, you know, hires that are coming out of, yeah, you know, traditional media companies that are really struggling um, or media agencies, but are moving into D2C and they just understand sort of that brand marketing dimension that performance marketers and demand gen, you know, they're, they're really focused on the analytics, which is an incredibly important exactly. component, yeah. um, but are often sort of, you know, light on the, on the brand side. So look, the, the perfect unicorn is somebody who, who can tell a brand story, um, but also can get deep in the analytics Often you need to have you know a, a diversity of skill sets um, because because it's just very hard to, to to find people that can live in the weeds and in the analytics, but that can also lift themselves up and tell a story in a cohesive way, and and even more importantly, understand how that story needs to con- needs to be conveyed through all those different media right? Um, uh, Because sort of a long form looks very different than an online, you know, mobile focused thing looks very different than a pre-roll looks very different than a podcast. Like there's all of those different things that, um, that are, are, you know, it's just, it's a real challenge. Um,
0: Yeah, Yeah. 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 Channel specific stories, you're, you're spot on. I've seen, you know, bigger CPG brands make the mistake of using TV form- format uh the, the TV ads in, in Facebook, you know, it, right. just no connects there with audiences if, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, yeah. Makes sense. All right. Um So, yeah, I, I really want to talk about trends, you know, um, in, in e-commerce from, from a Clairebank point of view. Um, what, what, what's, in, in the D2C space, um, across the board where, you know, what trends are you, what big trends are you seeing uh, What can you see beyond 2021? You know, where are we going as an industry in the direct to consumer space?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think, um, it's old news now that, that, uh, COVID has created, uh, as accelerated e-commerce, you know, across the board, right? Mm-hmm. People that were never planning on buying anything online are now forced to. Um, I think what has what probably seen the biggest increase in adoption has been things like consumables, um, right? People are buying their food and their groceries and their toiletries and all of that stuff online um, for the first time and, and you know, for a long duration, right? I think previously they were saying, okay, let me just go to the, you know, the, the Costco or bulk store and stock up. And now they're realizing, okay, maybe if I sign up for a subscription, um, I can build a brand, I can try a new brand. So I think there's a there's a huge opportunity.
0: Are they doing this c- on Amazon or um, or direct-to-consumer e-commerce, biz, um, you know, stores like um, Shopify stores?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think certainly on Amazon, right? And Amazon mm-hmm. has, has has done a lot. But I think for certain categories, um, Amazon is quite daunting for people right to be like okay what do i you know there's too many options um and so i think there's a real opportunity for direct-to-consumer brands and founders to reshape consumer habits um because there's there's just this dislocation in consumer buying behaviors and it's going to continue right it will continue as long as we are sort of working from home and 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 you know and in sort of some semblance of lockdown um mm-hmm. that you can actually dislodge the you know the png and a quote, you know, equivalent in your category, yeah. um, with a unique message, unique value proposition targeted well, and you know, it's, it will take time, mm-hmm. but there is, there's really for the first time a, an opportunity for, I think, direct consumer brands. Um, and I think I'm, I'm particularly excited about consumables. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think, I think, you know, the food and beverage and health is probably even more unique because people will like, you know, if, it's probably very hard to to change people's razor blades or toothpaste, right? Like people are going to do it and you can, you can certainly do that. And if you can win somebody, you've got a customer for a very long time, which is why, Mm -hmm. you know, those, those companies invest a lot. Um, it's probably not that hard to get somebody to try a new snack, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, or a new beverage or something like that. Beverages are maybe a bit harder on the shipping side, but like, it's probably not as hard. So I think those are, those are very interesting, um, interesting opportunity or new dog food, right? Like those Mm -hmm. kind of things, you know, like those are the types of things that, um, we're seeing really, I think pet as a category is also very interesting because a lot of people got mm. pets, uh, you know, a lot of people who are stuck at home got their pets exactly. and now we're seeing an explosion in that category because people have pets and now they want to feed them and play with them and make them healthy and, you know, like toys and, and, you know, beds and accessories and things. So we're seeing a, a huge boom in, in, uh, in the pet category overall.
0: And what I'm picking from this is this, subscription opportunity e-commerce is unlocking um clv is going to be maximized so the the viewpoint of e-commerce initially was you know where you'd buy your next monitor or your tv There were one-off purchases for a large mm-hmm. part and from what you're saying with pets food and beverages you know consumer package goods and consumables in, in general, you know, they're inherently things we buy regularly. And once you put it on auto, on a subscription, you just, you know, you get yeah. it when there's that convenience bit, you know, there.
2: Exactly. And I think, look, the real advantage of direct consumer is that you establish a relationship with the consumer. Mm-hmm. So even if you're selling a, you know, single skew big ticket product, I think it's, it's, you know, it's almost your responsibility. I mean, it's your opportunity to establish a relationship with that consumer and figure out how you can continue to meet that consumer's needs. Right.
0: Yep.
2: So even if you're, yeah, if you're selling a mattress online, what else do they need associated with like, you know, and then it's the product line and the extensions and it's the, you know, like why did they buy your mattress? What are they looking for? Are they looking to enhance their sleep? Are they looking to you know, refurnish their home? Like really understanding your customer establishing a relationship, establishing a dialogue and understanding because yeah, mattress company could extend into furniture or it could extend into, you know, like, uh, like sleep supplements, right. You Mm -hmm. could actually imagine like, what, what, what is the reason Mm -hmm. that your, your customer is coming to you and how do you establish that, that relationship and how do you build a product roadmap so that you can actually leverage that installed, that, that, that trusted customer base who has bought from you and loves your product to then, you know, continue to fulfill more and more of their needs. Exactly. Um, and so I think that's that's one of the big opportunities is turn every every purchase, right? Even if you think of yourself as a transactional purchase, turn every purchase into a lifetime relationship with a customer, exactly. which is something that the traditional CPG never had the opportunity to do, mm. right? Um, because they were all selling
0: through channels, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Supermarkets and all. Right. Mm. Oh, we're about to... And Amazon...
2: Amazon yeah. doesn't always, Amazon doesn't always give you the opportunity. They're, they're exactly. creating some, but Amazon still wants to sit in between, right. And just yeah. intermediate. So yeah. that's yeah. where the opportunity sits. They take
0: all the data from you. So, um, exactly. So they strip it off completely. Exactly. And sometimes just create their products to, 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 to rival yours. So wrapping right. up, wrapping up, um, do you fund Amazon businesses or uh, do you strictly fund, um, you know, um, direct to consumer e-commerce businesses?
2: Yeah, so we we will fund all online businesses. We we actually encourage companies to go omni-channel, okay. right? I think it's like you know, so so you know, it's important to 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 be on Amazon because there are there are going to be customers who who find you on Amazon, mm-hmm. um, and you know, so you want to capture that that inherent demand. Um, but often, what will happen is. People will search something. They'll see your product on Amazon. Then they'll they'll Google you. They'll search your site, and then they'll buy it from you directly. So there's all kinds of like. It's important to be everywhere the customer is, right? I think that's basically our our recommendation is put your product everywhere your customer could be, um, and just try and establish that relationship with your brand out there. Um, and so so when we find Amazon only brands, we really encourage them to build a direct channel. Uh, when we find direct customers, you know, we often encourage them uh, for the most part to also be listed on Amazon um, just, just to be able to build that, uh, that, that, you know, awareness, the customer base.
0: Okay, Andrew, I'm going to let you go, but before I let you go, I have a lightning round. I'm going to ask you five questions and if you use a single sentence to answer each of them, it'd be brilliant. Okay. Okay, okay ready? Let's when try you? it. Okay, fine. Um, what, advi- what advice would you give to yourself five years ago?
2: Don't, uh, don't overthink things.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, what two things can't you live without?
2: Uh, what can't I live without? My my AirPods um, mm-hmm. and uh, and my notebook. My notebook, notebook okay. is,
0: uh, yeah exactly. So what book are you currently reading? <laughs>
2: I just finished 1984, 1984. Uh, oh. which, yeah, I have not read that. In a, I have not read that in a long time. It's very, <laughs> it feels very uh, appropriate for the times we're in right now. Very,
0: very appropriate. Say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, what's been your best mistake to date by that? I mean, a setback that's giving you the biggest feedback.
2: Hmm. Uh, it was probably, you know, we, we, we had a, terrible board meeting for my last company in which they, they basically wiped out the entire management team and I found myself without a job. And, and then I realized I don't want to have to give up board control. And I, you know, like for inventory capital really. Uh, and so that was a good, that was a good learning moment.
0: Fascinating, and that led to to what you're doing now, empowering exactly. so many businesses. Okay, okay. So if you could give a, you could choose rather a single book or resource has made the highest impact on how you view building a business and growth, which would it be?
2: Hmm. Oh, there's so many. I I love Ray Dalio's principles, but I'm going to give one that's less obvious. Uh, sure. There's a there's a there's a book called Lucky or Smart uh, by, hmm. uh, by a guy named Bo Peabody. And, uh, it's like a 50 page book. It's a super short book. Okay. Sold his, sold his business in, in, uh, in the tide of the dot-com boom. And it's very, very interesting. So, um, I won't give away the whole book, but, but lucky or smart, Bo Peabody is a um,
0: great book. I'm on the Amazon. <laughs> I All right. Um, okay. So Andrew, I have to say that this interview has got to be one of the most important interviews I've carried out in 2020. Um, first of all, the way you have, you just answered the questions, your, just your vast knowledge, number one, just the, the, the expertise and the purpose of your business. Um, the capital is very important and, um, yeah, where you guys are coming from, you know, uh, just uh, well done. Thank you so much for, for making this, this interview.
2: Oh, appreciate that, couldn't I No, we're you know, we're still on a mission to help more founders win and be successful. And so anytime we can any 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 insight or or feedback we can give, we're more than happy to appreciate awesome. you having, having me on. Awesome.
0: awesome. Okay, so um for those of you listening, it's Claire Bank. that's C-L-E-A-R-B-A-N-C dot com. Um, are you most active on any channels, you know, for for people who want to just, you know, follow what you guys are doing?
2: Yeah. Yeah. You can follow me. I'm Andrew D'Souza on Twitter or we're just at ClearBank on Twitter or Instagram. Um, okay. that's the, or you can find me on LinkedIn, um, and, uh, and follow any other thoughts for okay. sure.
0: You just got a follow from us. Okay. Thank you so much. And you,
2: fantastic. Um, right, cheers. Appreciate it.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X e-commerce.